You're tuned in to Cowl Fans, a popped off production, the casual fans' home for Overwatch League news. We're coming at you from Tampa, Florida. I'm Alurmore. I'm Hallett. And don't forget to check us out on social medias. We're on all the major social media platforms at Cowl Fans. So we're going to jump right into our stuff here. Uh, we're going to start mm-hmm. with an announcement from the Overwatch League. Mm. The games in Seoul, including the Seoul homestands and the, the makeup Chinese games. makeup games mm-hmm. for the next couple weeks have been canceled for weeks 5, 6, and 7. Yep. Yep. All of them canceled. Mm-hmm. Once again, if you've been paying any attention to international news and the coronavirus, this would come as no surprise that there's been a major outbreak um, in South Korea, mostly contained to the south side of the country, but it's a, it's a small country, um, and everyone's decided let's get out of Dodge of Seoul and um, not host these matches. There's been a string of cancellations of concerts and events and even movie theater premieres because they don't want people going to the movies, right? Like, this yep. was this was bound to happen for what was probably going to be a couple thousand at least person event. Um, super unfortunate. Um, you know, sort of out of the league's hands in many aspects. Like, you couldn't have really planned for this. Um, right. But it, it continues to be a trial by fire for our first year of localization. Everything that, I maybe not everything, but just about everything that could go wrong has gone wrong, at least for the Pacific Division, right? Um, you'd, you'd almost wish it was happening to both divisions <laughs> because now we're being left in this awkward situation where we're about to be seven weeks in to the Overwatch League or eight weeks in before the majority of the Pacific Division plays. Right, there are at least six teams that still haven't even played yet. Yep. And one of them's just because Atlanta was scheduled not to. Like, we'll see them next week. But I want to say it's week 14 when um, is the the All-Star break and when the mid-season tournament happens, right? Right. So... We are going to literally be halfway, or a quarter into the season, but halfway to the midseason tournament, and the Pacific Division is basically going to have not played at all outside that one Dallas homestand, right? Right. So, I mean, not only does it suck for the fact that the fans haven't been able to watch their team, the players, um, the teams not being able to experience a non-hero pool meta. Um, they're never going to be able to show their stuff of what they would have had in these early stages. Um, and then it just brings up integrity. Can you make up... Can you do double the games in in the same time frame that the Atlantic is going to finish off their last half, right? right. So that all the teams are even going into the midseason tournament. Because even though the midseason tournament kind of feels like I was just going to say a letdown um, <laughs> compared to our past stage finals, like right. or our last year's stage playoffs. At least only four teams are qualifying. It's just a semifinal and a final. Like yeah. There would be no Shanghai Dragons stage three win with this format. Um, so it's a little bit of a disappointment in that regard. But even so, there's still a lot of money on the line. Like There's like 500K, I want to say, like 550 
it's basically half of grand finals because they combined all of the old stage pools and into this mid-season tournament right so it's not like you're just playing for fun and it's the all-star weekend there is a big chunk of money on the line that teams are gonna want to win yeah um, that's true. That's a good point. I think a lot of what we really need to be thinking about, though, is just the fact that more so it's going to be the fact that how many games are going to have to play stacked on top of each other. Your thing yeah. about comp- competitive integrity is really going to be the key point for that. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we really accomplish that? I think the only way to really accomplish that is to expand the days of which the league is played during the second yeah. chunk of that thing, of the first half of the season that's yeah that's hard to say yep um but if you expand that a little bit and give all these teams you know half half a week to prepare for each of the two games or maybe even scrunch up some of the teams that have gotten to plays games into something like that as well for for part of that just to sort of spread it out so that everybody gets this little bit of extra roughness into them for the sake for the sake of competitive integrity, not for any other reason. Um, mm. Not sure that's a valid, a real valid way to handle the situation financially with the way that the homestand models work. Um, I think mm. if you scrunched up those teams, anybody who's going to a homestand event, and that suddenly there's a team that may or may not be there that now, aside from the home teams, the home teams obviously need to be there. Um, and they paid to go to the homestand event. Maybe they didn't go to see the home team. Yeah, you don't want to do. You don't want to be the guys who did that for the sake of competitive integrity. Pushed some of the teams around, but um, so I don't think they'll sure. do that. I don't think they'll think do that. I think you would add on rather than take away from a homestand. Well, I, like they were suggesting with Seoul, they might have. They were thinking about adding games onto the Seoul homestand. If you have a venue for a full day, you might. Might as well. Right. So that's obviously an an option, but what I'm talking about is because if you have all of those games back to back to back in over the course of three days like we did it last year, the prep time decreases so much. Yes. Because you're not doing a week of prep for two games, you're doing a week of prep for four games. And even if you divide that week of prep up in half on your own, you still sort of have to maintain all of that preparation throughout. Mm-hmm. So I feel like dividing it up, through, like as, like I was saying, right. spreading it out throughout the week means even if you only spend half the week prepping for these two games, you're taking on these two games then, and then you can spend the next week, half of the week prepping for the next two games. It, it There's no real good answer. There's yeah. not a suggestion that I can make that sounds good. It doesn't exist. Because like even with that schedule too, I think you keep the homestands as they are, and then you do like, a fake homestand like Tuesday, Wednesday, or something like that. Yeah. Um, that is just maybe not even in front of a crowd, just kind of a land somewhere casted. Yeah, it's hopefully it, ideally. Hope, hopefully, gets the contenders treatment. Nope, not casting regular games anymore. We'll stream your scrims, and your scrims will count towards points. Congratulations. Oh man. Now you can practice and make up your matches. Terrible. So, um, and it should be interesting. I'm very interested to see what they're gonna say because it, as you said, it doesn't really seem like there's a good solution. So, no, Mm-mm. we'll see what there is. You'd want to almost postpone the midseason tournament, but there's 
that's that's really not a good solution right like you you need the all-star weekend is literally the only break for every team in the league so there's there's like no other weekend to do it it, it may but, be that they have to eat that that whole mid-season tournament for pacific makeup games or you just scrap it and put that prize pool towards grand finals right yeah. exactly that's what i'm saying you gotta you gotta yeah get rid of that um and that's that may be what happens um I'm still going to say this again. Uh, it We are in this situation, and this situation is so hard to deal with because of the homestand format. Right. Um, we, really, we really shot ourselves in the foot with this, and it, it felt like a stepping stone, but here are all the things that can happen that ruin your homestand format because <clears throat> these six teams... If we had caught this a little earlier and just said, okay, you guys all have venues secured throughout the season, see if you could shake around your dates a little bit so that we can do some flip-flopping until this thing rolls over in China, we could have caught it much, we could have gotten onto it as soon as it happened, gotten everybody into the safer zones, and just gone back to China because they had their venues secured already. And it wouldn't have been nearly as difficult to handle, everybody could have been playing already. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wouldn't have been an easy thing to handle. Moving dates around in a venue is not an easy thing per se, but it's achievable for this kind of a thing. Moving around Mm two-day special weekend events is not achievable for this kind of thing. So um, really really shot ourselves in the foot with that. We're a global league, and we need to remember that. Mm -hmm. So we are going to go over this past weekend next because – the Chinese things getting canceled is sad, but Overwatch makes us happy. Yes, and this was a really good weekend of Overwatch. Probably our the best weekend we've had yet. It's it, it was. Yeah, we had a choice between two other weekends. This yeah. was the best one we've had so far. Yeah. <laughs> Still, to be celebrated. For sure, for sure. So I where I want to kick off with. The longest regular season game in the history of the Overwatch League, League, League. It happened. It happened. It wouldn't have normally happened in the old format, but That's it true. happened. It did. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Because it was there was a window for it, like say if one team tied hybrid and the other team tied, um, or there were two ties, like there was, and then one team won control and the other team won escort. Right. You could have gone to a map six scenario. Um, but there was no scenario for map seven in the previous format. No. <laughs> but we got map seven, baby. We got The s- toilet bowl, kicking <laughs> it off right, Boston <laughs> uprising, Houston outlaws. Neither team could decide who wanted to win. And so they both kept losing until they couldn't lose anymore. <laughs> That's really exactly what happened. <laughs> Oh, man. So here's the best part. My favorite part about the way this scorecard breaks down is that each team has two wins on control. <laughs> if you look down the scorecard, as far as they, they tied, they tie in Assault, they tie in Hybrid, and then they have two wins each on control, which means the only map type that mattered was Escort. Was escort. Uh. <laughs> So, I mean, you want to talk about two teams evenly matched for the bottom, these are them. Yeah, yeah. That's a we that's were, an even um, match. 
we were thinking this would this would let us know who the worst team in the Overwatch League is, and um, although we're pretty sure it's Houston, we didn't get as clear as an answer <laughs> we were hoping for. Right. <laughs> it was it was an epic um, seven game series, and um, I will just say as a Florida Mayhem fan, it feels good to know that we dumpstered the Houston Outlaws and are not a part of this conversation. Oh my so gosh! No matter what happens here forward, we're not the bottom Woo! amen oh man that feels really good doesn't it so so there are but some it was actually a really entertaining match yeah yeah um who is it overwatch league signs which is a hilarious twitter account that posts pictures of the science people take to overwatch league you should follow right. them um posted a thing that said listen the whole point of competitive sports existing is for the entertainment of their fans I have never been more entertained in a game of Overwatch than this one. Therefore, the Houston Outlaws and the Boston Uprising are the two best teams in the league. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, that's true, but also the entire point of a competitive league is competition, and in that aspect, they are both hot garbage. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it could be worse. I think I think you've retained fans. I mean, Houston is Houston. You you have your 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 Houston fans. I think they're pretty loyal, um, provided they don't jump to a team like the Valiant. Um, I think you have them. And then I mean, Boston's got Jerry, man. Jerry. We, I, we love Jerry. I'm not sure Jerry, why we love Jerry so much. Jerry's popping off. Jerry's rolling off clips. Jerry does it all. I just I really don't understand that at all. Yeah. <laughs> The guy's name is Jerry, man. That, that's it. That's all there is. I understand. I... He's got... He's... Jerry. Okay. Fantastic. All and right. he did play pretty well. I mean, it's easy to look... Did he play pretty well? Or play. did he just he not did. play awful he and he was playing against he the outlaws? Played... He looked... Good. <laughs> yeah. He looked good. Um, I mean, he looked good against the Outlaws, but he did look good against the Outlaws. So, unlike some of his teammates who did not manage to even do that. So, <laughs> okay, that's good true. Good job, Jerry. I think I, I, Jerry with Color Hex on May looks better than Color Hex on Hitscan, who might have been better than Jerry, but um, Munchkin on May was just a tragedy. So this this Jerry color hex lineup looks a lot better for Boston going forward. Can we talk about the tragedy of the Outlaws though, just for a minute? Because holy moly, these yeah. guys Ooh. cannot figure out themselves. They don't. I don't understand their DPS lineup and why they're running who they're running it's, on the players they're running. Oh, so bad! Like you keep running your hit scan players on. Like it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. The first, the first week you run out with hydration on May. I expected that. But then you have Blase on hitscan, and it's like, why is Blase on hitscan? And none of the games we've seen, which have been four at this point, have shown any reason why Blase should be on hitscan. Not like, one. Dude can't shoot ahead if you paid him an Overwatch League salary to do so, right? Like, he, he can't. <laughs> He's just fanning the hammer left and light, right and shooting body shots. It's, it's pitiful. Um, and the league is too stacked to have, like, such awful players like that on your team and i don't think blase is that bad of a player like he pulls out the doom fist and you see oh blase is actually pretty good when yeah. he's playing projectile heroes 
why is he playing Hitscan? And you have Linkser, and you have Dante, and like it's I understand you need you want Blase's leadership. Put him on May. Right. Just put him on May. It's and yeah. It can't be worse than his McCurry. It can't happen. It doesn't. It can't. It doesn't make sense. It just doesn't just, make any sense. Just play Linkser. Play Dante. I don't care who. Just pick one. Right. Put, if you need Blase, put him on May. And then you might actually look like a maybe not the a world beater, but I think you could be competitive. Like I literally think that's it. Like London Spitfire came out against the Washington Justice today and beat them in a map five or yesterday. Which was super surprising because they had a May who looked like trash garbage and then they put in Shui, who can actually play the hero, and then they're actually a good team. Who would have thought? Replace Blase! Oh, man. It's not good. And their constant switching of their flex support is not helping. No. That is exasperating the problems that they're having. Because I really... They're, they talk about this on the desk a lot. Like, this is the big problem for them. And I really don't think that's the big problem for them. Um, I feel like that is exasperating the big problem for them, which is that the rest of their lineup really is the problem, right? Roar doesn't look right. Muma. Muma. Muma doesn't look quite right. I've just got the wrong people in my head. Yeah, Muma has always been a hit-or-miss player. He'll look really great. Like, against Florida, he actually looks good. Yeah. Like Muma. And then he's looked like trash every other game since. Yeah. Um, Mecco has been consistently amazing for what he's what he's been dealt with. Right. Um, him and Jay are definitely the bright spots. For sure. For sure. So um, you got a main tank that doesn't look quite right. You have a DPS lineup yeah. that doesn't make any sense. And so and that's your real your problem. Support. And then you're switching yeah. your flex support. And so not only do your nonsensical DPS line and questionable main tank struggle they're now struggling and they have to adapt to a new yeah. flex support plan that's not a good that's not good sometimes like i think people have been a little bit too hard on their like their changes of flex support um on any map outside control i agree makes no sense why they sub repel in over rocket uh, however like the when they saw when they swapped repel in on whatever the heck the last control map was like every control map in the game mm -hmm. um they brought him in because he was going to play baptiste he's a baptiste player it's the same way we played byram right um against whoever that was um <laughs> and they were running double shield comps they were running the baptiste it's sim that's that's why they they subbed him in that one made sense okay the control maps make sense when you're subbing him in just to play anna on escort what are you doing <laughs> yeah, and what really made it make not not make sense to people though is the fact that they had just had Rockus with the last two control maps and they won them. Like yeah, they really just needed to hold on they to that. Came out with different strats. Right. I I understand that they came out with different strats, but if if you've got something that's working, it really doesn't make a lot of sense to just try and change it. You're you're finally you're finally getting headway here, guys. You've won two maps in a row. Just hold on. Sometimes it's going to what you have prepared isn't worth it. Right, and sometimes it's worth just doing doing something different or doing what's working. Um, I think the Toronto Philadelphia game might have been like that. People say that um, what the, the comps they had were prepared, um, like because they played a lot of dive, right? Um, like Toronto Defiant did against Philly, but I feel like a lot of that was they prepared dive for assault 
realized that that was the best way for them to hang against the Philadelphia Fusion because the mirror match wasn't working as well. Right. And so they ran a lot of it. Let's just move on to that game because we're pretty much done with the yeah, with, with the, the toilet, bowl. toilet bowl. So um, <laughs> Toronto versus Philly looked. At, it was three. The score line was three two. Yeah. Toronto Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. Toronto, Toronto really didn't look bad against Philadelphia. No. Um, and I think a lot of people expected them to look a lot worse than they did. Yes, a lot of people did. I mean, most people thought this was going to be a stomp, especially because Philadelphia just came out and rolled New York. And people were, I think, still under the impression that New York was this, you know, God-tier, top-of-the-Atlantic-division team. Yeah, I don't um, think that's true today. Yeah, I think we need to accept that they're a middle-of-the-pack team. You're welcome, world. I've, I tried to forewarn you. <laughs> um, but Toronto, yeah, I think really surprised. I thought Toronto was going to do better than what people expected, but they exceeded my expectations on top of that. Um, they, they really brought it to the Philadelphia Fusion. They had them sweating. Um, it really felt like they could have been the winners of that game. Um, if Philadelphia just weren't so ridiculously gosh darn clutch, but even Philip, uh, even Toronto had some crazy clutch moments, like that overtime on Kings Row where they did the entirety of Kings Row in overtime again. <laughs> like Surefour <sighs> clutched the point to even allow them to do that. It was like a three v six, and Surefour was like, "I, you did," <laughs> and that was it. Like it was. It was a super good match. It was super entertaining. You got to see different styles, which is what something somebody uh, we've always asked for in Overwatch, right? right? To be able to see different styles just go head to head. They played a lot of dive. There was a lot of sombra. It's really sombra fun how much dive has become viable in this current meta. Yeah. Because even even after Ghost, when we forced two two two, dive didn't become viable then. We just we we were still working through. We we're still trying to figure out how to be tanky and how to deal with tanky comps. Yep. And and I don't think all of that was because we just came out of goats. I think only part of that was because we just came out of but goats. So I right. think we got over that and then we learned how to replay dive because the dives today don't look quite like the dives of yesteryear. No, I mean there's a lot more sombra than right. tracer, right? Um, you could switch Genji and Doomfist, depending on what you're trying to do. Um, it seems like people like to do Genji for attack, Doomfist for defense mm -hmm. of dive. Um, and that's kind of how uh, Toronto played it, especially on Temple of Anubis. But, and, and Ana's meta. So anytime Ana's meta, nanoblades nano are, <laughs> are going to feel a lot better, right? Yeah. Um, so it, it is really cool to see, and it was cool to see Toronto pull it off, because we, we saw in early when like New York was playing craft team and um, the, the Dallas homestand, which still I'm so confused about. I don't even try to power rank those teams anymore. What a weird homestand. <laughs> once once we've got to see what's happened afterwards, like that was a weird homestand. Um, it really was. <laughs> but like Philadelphia, when they played New York, New York played dive against them. And you would think like New York's dive is really good. Even, even when I was, like, low on what New York has done in this May um, McCree meta, um, the reason I've had New York semi-high in my power rankings is because I thought they had a strong dive they could fall back on. But Philadelphia wrecked their dive. Their dive just did nothing against them. 
So to see Toronto come out and play it against them and do really well was it's cool to see. Yeah. For a team that people maybe didn't have a lot of expectations for. Yeah, I think we can safely say that Philadelphia is really high on the on the top of the pack. Yeah, they um, they look like they're the best. I'm really I'm really not sure. Like you said, New York versus Philadelphia was not close. Um, no. But um, we're we're kind of back at that weird string chart that you had, um, where New York really cut really really stole London, and then London, um, in this this week, um, took the games against Washington. Washington. And New York also took the games against Washington this week, and so we could no, really York, no. New York didn't play Washington. Oh no, who? Um, Paris beat Washington. Paris beat Washington, and, and New York I think took Paris, Paris earlier. Like they might be the second best team in the league. Right. I have like the top tier being Philadelphia, Paris, and Toronto. Like that's your top tier of the Atlantic Division who are competing for the Atlantic title. Right. Um, and then New York's in the mid-table with your teams like Washington, like London, and maybe Mayhem. Yeah, we really haven't seen enough Mayhem to know where they stack up right now. Yeah, and, and I mean, London didn't look like a middle-table team when they played in New York. But yeah. they made some key switches, some key strategy adjustments, and now they look like the middle-of-the-pack team. I gotta say, in the Paris game this week against Justice... I know, I'm bouncing all over the place here. I can't keep a straight line. No, yeah, no. I'm just smiling because I love Paris. They did really good. I was really <laughs> pleased because I felt like Paris did a really good job adapting as things went on this week. Yep. Um, they didn't look like they were ready to do that two weeks ago. Well, they didn't have Hanbin yet. Right. And, and they I guess. They were stuck. And they looked great when they were stuck. They slammed Boston into the ground harder than New York did. Everybody slams Boston into the ground right now, okay? Yeah, but they did it harder than New York. Right. So, um, but. So, London, excuse me. They slammed London into the ground. Just the addition of Hanbin and their ability yeah. to sort of work through things now, um, they look. They're adapting right. They're doing the right things. I think even if the Paris Eternal don't win every game. Which, because I, I don't think they're going to win a, all the time, um, but <clears throat> they really are in a great position to way better than I ever expected them. Right, early in just the do a like, good, solid job. I thought it was going to be survive until sparkle. <clears throat> it really looks like I wouldn't be shocked if if the midseason tournament still happens. Right, I would not be shocked if Paris came out in first. Like, I think that's a real possibility for this team. They look very incredibly good. impressive to me. Yeah. Um, you get to see the brilliance of, like, Coach Rush, I feel like. Because um, he was always kind of element mystic. So Coach Rush was the team for an element – was the coach for a team called Element Mystic back in Korean Contenders. Mm -hmm. And even when GOATS was meta, this team did not play GOATS all the time, and they would slap. That's where Sparkle got famous for like his Doomfist because he would just run Doomfist into goats. They would play Sombra, Doomfist, and just wreck teams, right? Right. And you, we've been seeing pieces of that. Like they play these off-meta comps. Like they were the only team really playing these double shield sim straps um, in week one. And then on Ilios, they roll out with this Sigma setup, like Rhine Sigma, and it slapped. Yeah. Like they have these really cool strategies. They'll still play the meta. But every once in a while, they'll just not only 
like throw something different at you like a lot of teams are, but they throw different looks than what the other teams are doing. It's really interesting and cool to see. Um, and there's just there's a lot to be excited about this squad. Like this is right now for me, Paris are that team like I have my geolocation like allegiances, but if this was back in the Apex days and it was just me watching teams I had no reason to have any brand loyalty to, right? right? Um, this would be the team I'm probably rooting for because I just love to watch this team play. Every, almost every single player on this team is exciting. Yeah, and it's great. It's really, it's really great. <clears throat> it really doesn't feel like we're going to get a lot of bad Overwatch this year, which is nice. Um, nope, as, we're, as we're watching this, just even the Toilet Bowl wasn't... But the Toilet Bowl's exciting! <clears throat> right, it was when still fun. <laughs> yeah, well, um, it was still fun. Um, so just lots of great things, I think, are going to be happening to us this year. Yeah, I mean, the league's leveling up. Yeah. You felt like that in the offseason, just seeing the talent acquisitions, and now you're starting to see it. Like, team, the league's a lot more competitive. It is. Um, being as good as New York doesn't mean what it meant in past years. Mm-hmm. It is not a as lofty of a title. I think Vancouver, Shock, New York, those top three teams, they need to be... They, they can't be resting on their laurels because the majority of the league is ready to take it to them now. Yeah, I think so. Um, one thing I'd like to I'd like to point out, because I had forgotten about this, and then I saw okay. a tweet, and the tweet reminded me. The tweet reminded okay. me that uh, former head coach Mineral is in the Overwatch League still. With Boston. With yeah. Boston. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always felt like when I when Mineral left the Mayhem and started opening himself up and showing sort of the thought processes behind things and, you know, analyzing games and doing the analysis that he's really talented at, I was like, wow, this guy, this guy knows what's going on. He's awesome. Mm-hmm. And he got picked up by another bad team. I know, poor guy. Feels really bad. <laughs> I would love to see him get a shot at a good team, or I would love to see the Boston Uprising, because I don't think he's head coach. Is he head coach for Uprising? He is. Uh, yeah, I never really thought he should be head coach position. I really feel like he deserves an, an he needs to be an analyst or um, some other coach. Yeah. Um, His players seem to really like him. He, like, they do. Well, all the players seem to like him. The players on the Mayhem liked him. He's a likable guy. Yeah, Logic's complained about his head coach abilities, but they liked him as a person. Right, exactly. And that's, that's I, I expect that that will be an echoed statement before too long. Um, I would really love to see him get a chance as an assistant coach, and really, I think he'll help a team a lot more there. Um, mm. But for now, we'll see We'll see how this goes. Um, just as a, as a guy from Florida who watched him coach us for a year and a half, mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see what actually happens to Boston. See if he gets it better support. It always feels good to see like Mayhem alum go somewhere and succeed. Yeah, it does. And so I want him to succeed. Mm-hmm. And my wife is a Boston fan historically, so she's going to cheer for them. <laughs> Unfortunate. Um, anyways, so uh, next week, Overwatch is coming back. Because that's what it does. It comes back every week. That's how Overwatch League works. <laughs> and if you like the toilet bowl, where we're going straight to the waste processing facility, people. Houston Outlaws homestand. That's right. That's right. 
Oh no. But outside the Houston matches, this should be actually a pretty cool weekend of over. Oh no. Um, Mayhem plays twice. Do we want to just start with Mayhem? Or do we want to talk about some of the other games? You talk about the other things. We'll close with Mayhem. Okay. Um, well, the big story of the weekend is going to be here comes the Atlanta Reign. Um, we have, like, Philadelphia Fusion kind of looking like the top team. People were expecting Philadelphia Fusion to be good this year, right? They made a lot of cool acquisitions over the offseason. They were looking like a stacked roster. Right. The other team in the Atlantic Division that was doing this, that has every most people putting them in their top three, which I disagree with heavily, um, is the Atlanta Reign. So the last team finally showing up to the party they also started really late last year as well i don't know why the atlantic uh, the atlanta rain always just kind of take an extra three weeks off at the start of the season but here they come the atlanta rain and they've got some prove yourself matches so if this team is what everyone is saying they're going to be they have to prove it right out the gate they're not like new york who gets to beat up on a weaker version of london boston and all these like crap teams, right? Yep. Um, they got to show their stuff right away. They're going to play Defiant on Saturday and Paris, I want to say, right? Yeah, Paris on Sunday. Yeah, and those are two strong yeah. teams that are adapting well, that know how to take care of their own business. It's and... not the Philadelphia Fusion, no. but if you want to say you could take it to the Philadelphia Fusion, you got to beat these teams probably, right? Yeah. So it, it's it should make for really, really great games. Um, I mean, I have my concerns about the Atlanta Reign, like Dogman. Um, we saw Jonak get punished like crazy against the Philadelphia Fusion um, for being aggressive. And Jonak actually has mechanical skill. Right, so I wonder right. how Dogman with bad positioning and lower level of play. Oh, how man. Because um, we've seen teams like Houston Outlaws, like... Um, Boston Uprising, when you, or sorry, like London Spitfire, when you have one player who doesn't fit, who, who's underperforming at an Overwatch League level, man, is it showing this year. Mm -hmm. So, really interested to see how they do. Um, that's just me doing my quick jab at the Atlanta range because all they get is praise everywhere else. So I'm going to be <laughs> doing the jab. Wow. Um, <laughs> what a monster. <laughs> but those are probably like your matches of the week to look out for, too. Um, it promises the highest potential of close, high-level Overwatch. Yep. So we'll see if it actually comes to fruition. But they, the testing of the terrain. Look forward to it. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Um, yeah. So that should be really great. Um, and so then the mayhem, our hometown boys. Yeah get to play next week also which is great and because i don't really it's hard for me to stay invested i yeah. am i am the reason the show is called casual watch league fans and i need the mayhem to play mm -hmm. um so they're playing against new york and against london yes so this and should this be really be, interesting this is a big week for us yeah um we need to prove that we're a middle of the pack team well and i i think we need to win these games. Yeah, I think Mayhem in London, the fact, or not Mayhem, New York and London, the fact that they, they uh, London sort of can hold their own, New York can hold their own, 
not necessarily New York can't necessarily hold their own against Philly, but New York can generally hold their own even as they sort of go up that ladder. I think these guys are I think you're right to call the middle of the pack, but I think we the middle of the pack is huge. I think these guys live yeah. on the upper side of the middle of the pack. I think uh, no. You don't think so? No. No. I'd have New York right above us. I would say London on the upper side. I would have New York on the bottom of the middle of the pack. Although the middle of the pack is small. It's like three teams. <laughs> right, because everybody hasn't played. It's, it's like it's London, it's Washington, and it's New York. Like, that's your middle of the pack. And then it's like, can is mayhem of the caliber of these four teams? And we'll get to see. Can If they come out and slap these teams, mayhem's all of a sudden back in the conversation. I have of a great team. The top, right? Yeah. If they just put up a map five close fight, um, then Mayhem are looking like middle of the pack middle team. Middle of the pack with the rest of them. Right. And if they get rocked, at least they killed Houston. So they're just <laughs> kind of alone in their, hey, we're not that bad tier. And I would like to not be in the, hey, we're not that. Yeah, it would be really nice to sit solidly <laughs> middle or upper middle tier. Yeah. Um, and that would be great. There's room to grow, I think, from the middle. For all these middle-of-the-pack teams, Washington, New York, and London, like, I think there, there's play, these teams can rise right. throughout the season. Um, I don't feel that way for a team like Houston or Boston. Or if Mayhem ends up in the tier above that, like, I, we'll win some games. It'll, it won't feel as bad of a season, but we're probably not looking at play-ins or playoffs. Yeah, so I, I want us to, to look at those. Like play in at least survival is is this next weekend. It's still early in the season, but we you've seen it as a mayhem fan. Your early season momentum, it's really hard to get out of that, right? Um, if you're on like just a downward spiral, you usually stay there. Yeah. Um, the only team that ever seems to consistently pull themselves out of that is like the LA Valiant twice in season one and two um i feel like i feel like london has maybe. done it too london has sort of started to go downhill well and london then brought themselves back came up out and like kicked everybody's head in and was like yeah we're awesome and then we're just like did felt like they didn't need to try anymore and just got wrecked until they were like oh crap guys we need to start winning again <laughs> oh when did that happen? I thought we were just, we won stage one. So we're just going to coast one. in, yeah. <laughs> now all of a sudden we're not going to make playoffs. Yeah, Mayhem have a lot to prove right now. And yeah. honestly, <clears throat> I got to say, in their past couple games, I've been really impressed with BQB, but yes. not as impressed with Saya player as I expected to be. No, Saya player has not looked good. No, and so I really, Saya really needs to turn it back on because... Um, when we sub him in for some of those escort maps and really like, give him the time, the space to shine, he really needs to be shining again. Because I remember last year, this this yeah. just reminds me of last year when we finally put him on a hit scan hero last year, and he it took him like three weeks to finally get his feet under him. It took him way too long to get his feet under him, like three weeks, six games or something like that before Saya Player was finally the head clicker that we expected him to be. And I was really frustrated with it for that whole time. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, look, guys, Saya player's back. Um, and and he, we need we need him to come back because BQB is yeah. doing a great job. And I don't like, want to see BQB just overrun Saya player in his entire In the game. Philadelphia Fusion, <clears throat> Carpe versus, like, in the Philadelphia Fusion match, 
PQB versus Carpe looked better than Saya Play versus Carpe. Yes. For the mayhem. That's worrying. <laughs> that's that's a problem. Really cool for BQB. Like I feel like at this point you just play BQB a hundred percent of the time because like Saya player didn't even really impress against Houston. Like we got full held on Havana. Like we got to do the fuller hold, thank God. Mm-hmm. But he didn't look great <laughs> against Velazquez McCree on Havana. <laughs> Point A. Yeah. Right? Like. Ooh, there's cause for concern. Here. There is. There is. You're absolutely right. And that's exactly what I'm saying here is yeah. <clears throat> I'm wondering yeah, I'm wondering if it's just that he needs to get his feet back underneath him. Um, because, like I said, that's 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 what I experienced with him last year. I, re- I And, in fact, I specifically remember the game. I remember them playing in um, in the Busan map on the, the, the low, the really low what uh map um downtown not downtown mecca base nope the other one the temple oh sanctuary sanctuary no sanctum is the paul whatever sanctuary i think is what it is the low map that's an interesting way to describe it. well i remember it doesn't have a very high skybox and so everything is all low ground there's really no real high ground in it so i think of it as the low map sorry um (laughs) whatever (laughs) Um, I think the other one, like, the point is lower than everything. No, 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 no. Like, this whole map is, it's yeah, flat. It's, okay, gotcha. It's, it's all low ground. Anyways, um, I remember him, like, hanging out on the backside of the bell where the other team was over there, and he finally started hitting those shots through between the bell and the pillars and getting those headshots on a couple of people. They didn't wind up winning the fights, but I was like, oh, look, side player just hit, like, dinked, like, two tank heads, so he didn't get any kills there, and then dinked a DPS head, and that guy's down. And I was like... Saya player's back. Look, you guys. And then, yep. sure enough, as the match went on, Saya player was back. And he didn't look back at that point because, you know, the kill feed didn't show up. But he was hitting the heads that he normally hit. And I was like, mm-hmm. there he is. And and so I don't want to see them just throw BQB in over him because BQB's outperforming him right now. We're really early on in the season. And if we can get Saya player to get his feet back underneath him, it will be worth it later in the season. Well... I think you keep scrimming Saya, but if BQB's doing better than Saya, don't play Saya. I don't like, know. Don't stop scrimming him. I don't know. He, he maybe he's but maybe don't put him on stage. I mean, Saya's clearly doing fine in scrims, or they wouldn't be putting him on the stage in the first place. I think he has a. I think maybe. he has a just has a hard time getting play. his feet back underneath him on the stage. I think it's on the stage in particular. We also didn't play Lucio, so I don't really know. <laughs> what to say <laughs> right about so decision making and what what they're seeing in scrims versus what they're doing in game right like i'm just i'm gonna be shocked if that was really working consistently well <laughs> i mean it must have been but i don't know how yeah so um there, there's a lot of just we'll have to seize but um if if it's if it's that same thing i just don't want to see bqb suddenly overtake him and ruin side yeah. players a chance of getting his feet back underneath him but also because... on that note mayhem play lucio Play Lucio! Play Lucio! If you come out with a stupid Brigana and play it like a thousand percent of the time and we just throw, I'm mm. gonna be very upset. I need you to come out like London, even like Boston, and realize that, hey, maybe we should play a Diva player. Like, have that thought. Be like, hey, maybe we should play a Lucio. <laughs> like, just, just, I need to see that. Because if we just 
I'm gonna be so disappointed if we come out of the gate and just look the exact same. Because we showed potential. Particularly BQB and Gargoyle looked fantastic. Yeah. Um, and even when we were getting slapped by Philadelphia Fusion, those two players looked better than their counterparts in the Philadelphia Fusion, which honestly, I haven't seen since. Like, these guys look great. With ex maybe the exception of Sherfor and Nevin looked like they can match. Um, so, considering we were getting slapped, so much potential in this team. Oh, yeah. Um, just, like, literally it just felt like our strategy was off. So, please, just fix your strategy. Maybe don't rely on Saya player as much if he isn't hot. And I really feel like we could come out and not only take it to these middle-of-the-pack teams, we could beat them. Possibly convincingly. Yeah. I think I think that's really possible. What we need to remember is, and what the Mayhem need to remember is, these teams that are at the top are at the top because they're adapting quickly in the middle of the match. Yeah. Um, you know... Uh, Toronto deciding that dive is going to work the whole, work more than they expected it yeah. to. Um, the the pair the changes that Paris Eternal made throughout their games because I felt like Paris made a little adjustment every single map, and every single map they looked a little better. Yep. And you know it doesn't need to be a big adjustment. Mm -hmm. Add the Lucio in. You know what? Even if it's not the Lucio, do something different when you're not doing fantastic, right? Until you get to fantastic. Mm -hmm. You need to get to fantastic. That's the goal. Be amazing. Yeah. And I, so, I think we need to be able to like understand and have the coaching to read the meta as well. Because especially when we consider we're a couple weeks out from hero pools. Yeah. If we come into a homestand again, like we did in Philadelphia, with such a bad read on the meta, like we're just we're gonna struggle in this hero pools meta. Like you need to be able to understand what's going on. Um so it's, it's they, yeah. I, they they need to adapt. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Let's be honest, guys. Um, chances are real high that McCree or May are going to be out, and Reinhardt has been the most played tank, and Anna has been the most played support. And I don't know where the threshold is for percentage, right? They said they actually said it's ten percent, which is very interesting. Oh, that's not ten percent includes high. a huge amount of people. I don't get it. And I don't understand. That doesn't make any sense. Saying doesn't make any sense i was thinking like 60 <laughs> or like then you have like ryan diva may mccree the lucio anna would be like the heroes that are in the fan potential list. right but no apparently it's 10 percent. so like tracer could be banned. that's nuts that doesn't make any sense yeah overwatch league this doesn't make any sense that's a discussion for another day, I suppose, when we get closer to hero pools. Well, but hero pools are right after this week. Hero pools are in, so I guess we're gonna have to have that discussion next week. Yeah. Mm. yeah Don't like not. that. Nope. <laughs> okay. Well. <laughs> thanks for hanging out at the Cowl fans planning meeting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that's uh. Ooh, that's going to distract me all week. Okay. Um, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, big thank you to Popped Off for all of their support and their help. They take really good care of us, and we like them. So go like them. Do you like that? Subscribe. <laughs> subscribe. Yes, please subscribe to us. 
We're available on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. You can subscribe to us on any platform you so choose. And it makes us feel good about ourselves because we are lowly gamers. <laughs> Make sure to follow us on our socials. We basically post super interesting news um, and updates about when the show comes out. So if subscribing to the channel and you have your notifications turned off on YouTube, then like us on Facebook and the Facebook page will go, hey, look, there's a new show out. And then you'll find it. You'll find it. It'll be great. So yeah, that's that. I'm Allure Moore. I'm Haller. And you have been tuned into Califans. We'll see you next week. <laughs>